the past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night Fright. What the planet is listening to. Hello and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Fright with me, your boy, your host, your party captain, your Ayatollah of rock and roller and all those other terms that no one in their right minds would call me Ian Austin. And oh, one show we have for you today, I know part of it at least, it's going to be Doctor Sleep. Yay! The book and the extended version from the movie because I bought it on Blu-ray. I bought it before this nonsense with the coronavirus picked up, so... Boo, coronavirus, boo. <laughs> what can people say other than it's a little bit shit? Um, I'm recording this intro on Sunday. Um, the On Saturday, the, what's the date? Uh, Saturday, 14th of March 2020. Uh, hopefully by next Friday, it's a lot better, which will be the um, 20th of March. I don't think it will, certainly probably won't be over by then. I don't think it's going to be over for a long time. But like I said, Tuesday Night Flash, just all we can do is be good to each other and enjoy the entertainment that's, at, that's out there. And hey, if you want entertainment, why not enjoy this podcast, which will be between 30 minutes and an hour. And part of it, at least, would be dealing with Doctor Sleep, because that's a movie I've wanted to see for a long time. I did threaten to record an episode on it back in the day, and then I got sidetracked by Flash, and also the fact that I didn't get to see it. And indeed, at the moment, no one's really going to see most of the end things. Everyone's so concerned about this damn coronavirus. But also, because the cinema is for what looks like shitty movies at the moment. No one really wants to release a movie at the moment of any particular value, except Vin Diesel, but I wouldn't call Bloodspot Blood Sport, a movie of particularly good value because it looks absolutely terrible, as do most of these movies that aren't Fast and Furious. But what can you do? Anyway, yeah, like I said, this podcast deal with Dr. Sleep and probably a few other bits. I don't really know. I'm I'm just spitballing. But I thought I'd do the introduction now and then I would have to do it later on. So yeah, definitely Dr. Sleep, probably some other bits, but maybe maybe I'll talk about zombie movies, that seems timely. Maybe I'll talk about Stand, which seems even more timely. But for right now, I'm not going to talk about either of them because I mean, during Saturday, I've done very little. So, there you go. Anyway, I'll be back after a brief moment from our sponsor. And maybe I'll be recapping Dr. Sleep straight away. Maybe I'll be doing something different. I don't know. But anyway, you'll find out in just a few seconds. So, let's talk about Dr. Sleep, shall we? Dr. Sleep is, of course, a novel sequel to Book Shining. But also a movie sequel to Movie Shining. Confused? Well, so am I. But that's okay. Because this is definitely, definitely, definitely a movie. Definitely a movie that's sequel to movie. But also a movie that's sequel to book. And I'm sure you're going to ask yourself, wait, what are you talking about? I'll explain. So, Stephen King wrote Book Shining. Stanley Kubrick adapted Shining to a movie, but he eliminated a lot of what Book was trying to do because Stanley Kubrick wanted to make a classic horror movie, which was somewhat ambiguous as to whether it was science fiction or not, uh, with fantastical elements, and Stephen King was furious with that, and Stanley Kubrick also changed the ending of the book to the movie. So Stephen King was like, God damn you, Stanley, okay, I'll get one up on you. And I'll make a mini-series based on book, which most people thought was kind of terrible. More faithful, but not particularly good. So then, 
Stephen King decided to write a sequel to the book called Doctor Sleep, which dealt with Dan Torrance, Jack Torrance's son, 20 years or 40 years later or whatever. And he's an alcoholic and used it to get through some of his own issues and baggage, which was fascinating. It's actually a really good book, by the way. But then a director thought, you know what? I like the book. I like the idea. I like the idea of throwing up Dan, but I want to do a sequel to the movie. So he wanted to make Doctor Sleep into a movie, but do a sequel to the movie version. And Steve King was sort of like, no, 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 you, you got to adapt the book. you got to do a sequel to The Shining Book. And they're like, we can't, Stephen. They know Shining Movie. Why do we do a sequel that's not related to that? Stephen King was sort of like, well, I don't know, but I'm not saying you're right. And then the guy Mitt Flangoon wrote it. So if I know it, I'll write some stuff. He wrote some stuff. And Stephen King was suddenly like, yeah, I want that. Because Mitt Flangoon's master plan was to adapt the book of Doctor Sleep and into a movie that's a sequel to both the book Shining and movie Shining. Confused? Well, how about me? I was really confused watching the movie. As I was reading book, and as I was reading book, because I knew it was going to be a movie, as I was reading book, I was like, that doesn't work, that character's dead, that location doesn't exist, you know? And then I thought, that wouldn't work in movie. But then movie gets around it cleverly. That's the best thing you can say about movie. It's clever. It's a really clever movie that is both a sequel to the original movie and to book. How is it? I don't know quite how managed to pull it off, but they have. It's I guess in some ways because it's so vague about it, it's like it it vaguely alludes to things, you know. It could be one way, could be other. And also the ending of the movie, spoilers, is related to the ending of the first Shining Book. So, yay. Stephen King goes wish after all. So, what are my thoughts on Doc's sleep? Well, firstly, I should talk about the book, which is really good. Now, I've never read The Shining book. Uh, I tried reading, actually, but I never finished it. So I don't really have any context for it. But the book, Doctor Sleep, is really good because it feels like you're really getting a sense of the struggles of an alcoholic protagonist. I know it's a rare thing for Stephen King, but he, he say right what you know. Although book kind of deviates a bit, it takes a long time to get going. I mean, it's very fractured in a lot of ways, and villains aren't terribly great. And also, this, <laughs> there's a bit of casual racism in book. You know movie, there's a cat called Barry the Chunk. Well, in movies, they change a vowel. Um, I think you can get where I'm going for this, so I'm not going to say what the actual name was. And it's slightly, slightly, it's slightly awkward, slightly racist, the thing to say. It's problematic. It really is extremely problematic. And movie changed that immediately and calls him Barry Chunk because, you know, that's not really that much better, but it's better than the vowel replacement um, or non-vowel replacement they originally had. So, but's okay. It's a really good read, but it's kind of middling in terms of, like, there's a lot of filler, there's a lot of too much focus on the alcohol stuff. Um it relies way too much on knowing what book happened in book. No, I know it's a sequel, but at the same time, it's not like it's called Shining 2, it's called Doctor Sleep. So it should feel work as a standalone piece, and it kind of does, but in enough ways it doesn't really. And then, so, we talk about movie Doctor Sleep, which, nope, doesn't really work if you haven't seen the original Shining. 
I mean, it's that very sad. I haven't seen Shining in a long time. So maybe it does work. I don't know. Um, uh, but I remember enough about Shining, so I just about got enough of what they were going for. Just about. Um, obviously, it's kind of difficult because, spoilers, um, they've recast several actors from The Shining by necessity. They've um, had to... They've created new flashback sequences and new scenes. So, from the start, you're not getting... You're getting a revamp, I guess, of the original cat. You, For example, you, you, there's no Shelley Val, there's no Jack Nicholson, there's no... Scartman Crothers is known for that. They're all played by different people. Oh, spoilers. Sorry, spoilers. Um, But I'll put spoilers when I do this recap. So, you know, they're all played by different people. So that's a bit of an adjustment. But in some ways, that's nice. Because it means that this does kind of work as a, a sequel to both. Both mediums, I guess. Uh, shining. But what's the plot? The plot is essentially Dan Torrance is growing up and saying alcoholic, but he has a shining, but he doesn't use it. And also he's a piece of shit who is responsible for the death of a woman and her kid. You know, by non-action granted, but even so, you know, that's kind of fucked up. And he never repays for that throughout the movie. But movie really deals with his extreme alcoholism. And it's quite tough to watch at points because Ian McGregor gives a particularly good performance. Apparently, he is also a former alcoholic. I don't remember hearing that before I watched this movie, but apparently, after I watched it, it was a thing. So, he does a really good job playing material. He doesn't try and make Dan too sympathetic, but at the same time, trying to make it clear that he's trying to be a good man. It's a theme that shows like Lost have done over years, you know trying to redeem yourself after your past mistakes, and his attempts to redeem himself are by being a mentor of sorts to a young kid named Abra, who also has the shining and has earned the ire of a group called True Not, who are basically, let's say is this, they're fucking vampires. They steal the shine from people, or steam from people, which is part that shine comes from. I guess it's a metaphor for souls of sorts, but doesn't really go anywhere and they kill a boy because they're killing him abra gets involved and they see her and they start turning their attention on her because as the aptly named rose the hat played by rebecca ferguson's points out she could be our white whale there's a lot of moby dick allusions in the movie which you know seems to fit stephen king's writing so i'm drinking lemon soup seems to fit stephen king's writing but movie pairs down a lot more. I should add, I watched the director's cut. So this version of the movie was a lot more methodical and actually split in chapters, six chapters, which was interesting. But it did have more of a, a book-like pacing to it where it wasn't in rush to get anywhere. Now, I should add from the top, there are attempts in the movie to aptly portray... Um, Stanley Kubrick style framing but this is not a Stanley Kubrick movie I think Stanley would have been far more mercurial with the text I I think he would have been far more like you saw for the original one he nailed, took that down to bare essentials and ignored the rest and I think this mo- movie is by necessity a bit more faithful than the book because I don't think Stephen King's happy with it I think 
From what I've read, he liked The Original Shining, but I don't think he's happy. He liked it as a movie, but didn't think it's a particularly good adaptation. I would disagree. I think he wanted translation, and I think Movie Shining was an adaptation through skittered mind of a visionary like Stanley Kubrick, which incidentally needs drove three of the actors to nervous breakdowns, but that's neither here nor there. But this movie, in ways, tries to ape that. You know, it's very much connected to the... Um, uh, musical feel of the original there's a lot of musical cues the choice of um, actors for um, shit I can't remember Wendy and Jack and um, Dick Hallahan is very similar to the original it's not like they're trying to reinvent the wheel per se but at the same time there's slight differences you know slight differences and overall it does a really good job the build up to final scene although true not I don't know if they work entirely in terms of this movie but they're decent antagonists but the build up to the last scene of the which is set in the overlook uh, is incredible and that last scene where the best parts of the movie are when Dan's walking through the overlook and going into each room and that is generally incredible because it feels like it's a real payoff to the entire movie and it's a payoff which did not exist in book because in the original book of Shining, the overlook's burned down and in Doc's sleep book, it was also burned down. So movie ends, the book ends at the overlook site but it's more of a compound now whereas the movie actually ends in the overlook hotel proper which is fascinating and this for me is the best part of the movie. It's just you and it's Dan Torrance walking from room to room, but it's so well shot, so well acted, and so indicative of the iconography inherent to the original movie. Now, it's a really great sequence, and the movie continues after that. I'm not going to spoil how the movie ends, but it's a really, 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 really good movie. At least from director's cut. I almost feel like if I watch the actual one, I feel it's a bit too rushed and a bit too fragmented. This really drags things out. Although I will say there's a few things that bother me. One, the parents of Abra are given nothing to work with, so they don't re-resonate. Her grandmother barely factors into plot, and she really does in book. And there's... I don't know, I, I, I almost feel this would be better if I hadn't read the book at all, but I was in America, I was trying to find something to do while sitting in jacuzzi, and I read it really quickly. No, this is a really, really, really good movie. I wouldn't go in for expecting Stanley Kubrick per se, but I would go into expecting a generally good horror movie, and here's the crux, guys, here's the crux. There's no real jump scares. The movie, even in scenes where you think there would be a jump scare, the movie does a really good job of setting up scenes in a very Kubrick and clinical manner where it shows you clearly what you're meant to be reacting to and horror of what you're seeing in kind of a creepy long shot. And I also add that one thing they've really nailed in movies, Abra's a horrible little kid. I mean, she's vicious. It didn't really come across in the book. She came across as a bit wimpy, but in the movie, oh man, she's a she's an eater of waves, people. She's fucking harsh. So that's good. And where is can you say this? Um, but here, Ian McGregor is better in this movie than Jack Nicholson is in is in the original. And Jack Nicholson's incredible in the original, but Ian really. I mean, firstly, they're both great actors. 
But Ewan's movie recarries it. He has a scene, two scenes. One where he's delivering monologue about how he's been sober for eight years and about how five years and about how he wishes his dad could have got to this moment. And then he has a scene later on in the movie where he's in Yo's look at bar and he sees a representation of Lloyd the bartender in Exclamation Marks. I think you can gather who's actually seeing. And again, Ewan's incredible in that scene because he's reacting to a ghost he hasn't seen in a long time and at the same time pulling his guts out and trying to bond and find some common ground and redeem Lloyd, I guess, in, for lack of a better term. But he's being roundly rebuffed. And it seems fantastic because it points out this kid who never really grew up. And that's the nature of story, fundamentally. He wants to save, save Abra from fate of his own because he never grew up. And he always felt like he died at the overlook, but somehow didn't die at the same time. And it's a really great way, really great way to end the movie. And yeah, I loved it. I, I fucking love Dr. Sleep. I don't know not to talk about it for too much longer but it's really 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 good and highly recommended go for the director's cut if you can don't go for the theatrical cut i mean watch director's cut first and then if you want to watch theatrical to do a comparison that should be fine but i would in this case i would say director's cut has to be the primary material you should watch what a movie i mean mitt flangan i i'm one of the i do like oculus very much i thought that's a bit goofy but I really like Gerald's game and I really, really like Doctor Sleep. And I think he's genuinely, he is pretty much up there, Frank Darrenbong and Rob Reiner's guys who get Stephen King movie, Stephen King properties. So definitely watch it. Um, four out of five, I guess. Really, really good and a great way to really amp up the horror aspect of this podcast. I have no idea what will be coming up next, but I'm sure in a few seconds uh it'll be really good so that's how prepared i'm in podcast damn you coronavirus damn you not that i have it but damn you in general so i'll be back after a brief little intermission thing hey i'm back um and this isn't going to be a particularly long segment because i'll be honest i don't know about you guys i'm knackered this week i don't have much energy left at all so i'm just gonna talk about some movies on shutter streaming horror streaming app because if you need something to do during this period why not watch a bunch of horror movies so here we go we're going to talk about shutter and what's on there shutter of course is a horror streaming app that i used to advocate for on a regular basis Oh, it's saying, okay, I'll log in via my iPad, and apparently I'm not, it doesn't let me do it via Firestick anymore. So, let's have a look, see what's on hold. Well, firstly, you've got a movie called The Room, which is a Shadow exclusive. Um, directed by Christian Volkman, 2019, 99 Minutes English. In search of more authentic life, Kate and Mark, Matt, leave, Kate and Matt leave the city for an old house in the middle of nowhere, Maryland. There they uncover, discover a hidden room that's extraordinary power grant any wish. Hmm. Their new life becomes true fairy tale, but beneath the bliss, something dark alerts. Some wishes can have dark consequences. A shadow original. Starring Olga Kalienko. Ooh, an actor I know. Kevin Johnson's Don't Know Them. Or Joshua Wilson. Bunch of reviews. Five stars by Dr. Dexter, excellent supernatural sci-fi thriller, solid performances and nice pacing, some great twists and turns to find that. That doesn't seem true, so let's keep going. 
Stony B5 skulls are five, hoping on the room two. I don't think that's really grammatically correct. Little Lisa four skulls are five. Great, kept new interest. Okay, um, the good tits four are five skulls. Not bad. Hmm. There you go. Well, that seems interesting. I'll add that to my watch list. Lucifer, what? Luciferina, oh, okay. Direct by Gonzalo Calzada, 2018, minutes, Spanish slash Castilian. Natalia is a 19 year old novice who reluctantly returns home, say goodbye to her dying father, full stop. When she meets up with her sister and her friends, comma, she decides to instead travel jungle in search of mystical plant. Any particular plant? Okay. Their comments, their pleasure comment, they find words of black masses, well, as the black masses, comma, strange pregnancies, comma, bloody deaths, comma, and for the nun herself, comma, sexually violent clash with them themselves. Hmm. Okay. Kibaz, two skulls out of five. Wow, nice cinematography, but slow and boring. Yes, basically, he nuts for the first time and dies. Okay, lame. Okay, spoilers, spoilers, Kibaz. Cutter Jane's one score out of five, super slow and boring. Oh no, not super slow and boring. Furcup, four five scores out of five. He busted a nut and then died. I don't know. Maybe Shudder's fan base can react to that. Um Okay, Bliss, enough Shudder exclusive. Add to list. Direct by Joe Bagos, 2019-18 minutes English. Struggling for a creative rock, comma. Hard partying artist Desi Donahue can't hit can't stop bad streak, full stop. In effort to combat her tough luck, comma, Desi throws caution to win, comma, indulges in heavy drugs and rages her nights away, full stop. Gradually, comma, though, comma, the party starts to end, comma, and in its place, comma, Desi finds herself first in blood and suffering for terrifying visions, full stop. A charge exclusive. Cast Dora Madison, don't know her. Jeremy Gardner, don't know him. True Collins, kind of, maybe, sort of. Comma, Reese Wakefield, don't know him. Comma, Graham Skipper, don't know him. Goat Lord, 666, five skulls out of five. Disgusting, full stop. Beautiful, full stop. Incredible soundtrack, full stop. Very similar film visuals as Mandy, full stop. Highly recommended, full stop. Gorse Explosion, one skull out of five. Maybe this movie is too hyped up, but I couldn't get into it in any regard, full stop. Way too repetitive, comma. Subpar writing and acting, comma. Annoying main characters, nothing that was scary or very compelling, full stop. I caught the ending, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the way it was handled made it seem like this was supposed to be high art, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to go much beyond interesting visuals, which I think have all been done before. Yes, and so I've run on sentences. Um, Dan, two skulls out of five. I guess being a, I guess being an biggest city artist slash addict who snorts a life where it's supposed to be caught or edgelord? Question mark. I don't understand high rating, full stop. It makes me they, like they were trying too hard. Music was cool, though. Well, I'm going to add it to my list. So, suck on that, bro. Um, the Deadlands, a TV show. Oh, a Shudder TV show. I haven't watched one of those since Black Lake, which I never finished. 2020, NR English, one season, average rating, five skulls out of five. Dishonored Warrior, comma, Waka Nuku Rao, comma, dies. Oh, shit, comma. But the ancestors in Yarflow sent back to wait find Demshin and Honor, full stop. Cool. Their brackets in Wave of Living, comma, he's ate by May, comma, a young woman determined to make sure he does. Make sure he does what? 
Oh, find redemption. Okay, full stop. Together they discover where it's been disrupted by forces not of the living. Full stop. Someone, comma, or something, comma, is preventing dead from entering the afterlife, and now dead are thrown back into their decaying bodies, hunk living. Full stop. Wacker and May go on a long journey to discover who created the rift between the world of the living and the world of the dead. Full stop. They show the original series, new episodes every Thursday. Hmm, indeed. Awesome. I'll add that to the list. Creep Show. I've got to watch this. I actually love the original Creep Show movies and I love the idea of it. 2019 TVMA English, one season, five skulls out of five, of course. Creep Show! In all capital letters, comma. The new anthology series based on 1982 horror comedy classic, comics. Do the most fun you ever have been scared! Exclamation point! A comic book comes to life in a series of 12 fidnets over six episodes, comma. Exploring terrorists from murder to supernatural and unexplainable, full stop. Haunted dolls houses, comma. Werewolves, comma. Murderous goblins, comma. Villains, trick or treaters, comma. Dead, comma. Mega Marvels, just a few things to watch out for in this new series. You never know what will be on the next page, although there are no pages because it's a TV show. And that's all shadow exclusives there are, so let's start looking through Oh, the movies that I own on digit own on DVD but might watch on this. Okay, Wes Craven's The Hughes Have Eyes. I'm adding that to the list. I actually own this on VHS. This is a not a fun story, but I when I was young, when I was sixteen, seventeen, my parents let me have a VHS slash DVD recorder. DVD player, so I could combine TV and DVD. It's awesome, it hit me at my TV studies course, but really made it fun to watch really shitty horror movies on really, really badly edited, like, tapes. So it'd be really grimy, but they feel like the most accurate versions of movies. I watched the He's Have Eyes on one of them, and He's Have Eyes is a really fucked up movie. I don't even think I need to describe it. You know, it's just, it's horrible to watch. But in some ways, it's really good because Wes Craven really hatches on how authentic or creepily exploitative, like, Vietnam analogy will actually be. Um, here we go with some reviews. Shaky Sean, Three Skulls Out of Five. Old is gold, but a sudden ending, bit of a shocker, dot, dot, dot. That was definitely a sudden ending. Tiana, Five Skulls Out of Five. Actually, love... The Hughes Have Eyes, one of my favourite horror movies, exclamation mark. Nothing beats the original comma, super scary and intense, perfect for rainy days, full stop, exclamation mark. Wes Craven's the OG. Whoa, he's definitely the O. Good morning. Uh, morning's a pun, four skulls out of five. My first time watching the original, and I like it a lot more than remakes. Yes, yes, I concur. Uh, what's this shit? Blankety Um Direct by Clara Mamet. Oh, Mamet, 2019. 11 minutes English. Definitely going on the list. A woman attempts to exploit human spirits to use as a data set for a program that will generate a number of scenarios through machine learning. Unfortunately, this computer continues to fail. People contributing to the data set start running out of ideas. That sounds cool. And this was a nice feature. So there's some stuff to watch on Shadow if you want to watch something a bit different. Try their streaming app, try their streaming services, and you'll watch some horror stuff, which the way it's going to shit, but you always have horror movies. And that's it for another week of Friday Night Fright. Not quite the episode I intended again, but life has been a bit shit this week, so what can you do? Um... I was going to review Perch TV show and then I decided I didn't want to so uh, maybe I'll get back to that I wasn't particularly impressed what I watched and I didn't feel there was much to um, really talk about but yeah. there you go um, 
Oh, apparently I watched a bunch of episodes of Lost today. I remember doing that. Anyway, I'll see you guys next Tuesday for the next episode of Flash, which will be probably a season finale sort of thing. And who knows, maybe I'll watch a big bunch more stuff next week. i got the, um, you know, more time because you can't do anything even now. It's a brand new way with brand new coronavirus. But this podcast will still be around. So until next time, remember, life is beautiful.